0: We're starting a new sermon series today in the Gospel of John, so I'll invite you to turn there with me, either in your Bibles or in your worship guides, and we'll be reading the first 18 verses of chapter 1, which is known as the prologue, as John starts his gospel a little bit differently than the other gospel writers. We've entitled our sermon series, God With Us, because uh, John is very much about stressing the reality of God being present with us, uh, preeminently in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're able, I'll ask you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. because He was before me. And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. you ever feel that God isn't as present as you would like Him to be? I certainly experienced that at times and was reminded of it a bit in traveling. One of the challenging aspects about traveling to foreign cultures, particularly in my experience in Asia, is that they have a different experience of God, a different experience of conversion than we do. I've taken mission trips to Turkey and Uzbekistan and India, and in all three places you hear uh, commonly stories of conversion that essentially go something like this, uh, yes, I had a vision or a dream that was exceptional in its reality and in its nature, and Jesus came to me and said that I should follow him. Or uh, some other miraculous occurrence happens that brings someone over the line, so to speak, to convert to Christianity. And as you hear these stories, you, know, you can't help but think a little bit, man, I wish, I wish that had happened to me. I wouldn't mind having an exceptional vision of Jesus in the midst of uh, something, uh, where he came and communicated to me. And so if they ask me my conversion story, you almost feel a little bit sheepish. Like, yeah, he Jesus would have visited me if he wasn't so busy visiting you, poor souls. There's a little contempt there that, why do you get to experience something like this? And I have not. And it brings up the reality that at certain points in our journey of faith, or for some of you quite regularly in your journey of faith, you wrestle with the the claim that God is personal, that He's actually intimate. You might think something to yourself like, well, if God was really that intimate and personal, it might be nice if He spoke once in a while, a bit more audibly. Feel sometimes like faith is... uh is echolocation, right? What bats do, they operate by sonar, and they don't really see. They send out a little ping, a noise, and they wait for that ping to bounce off something and come back to them, and by that sound coming back, they know reality around them. And sometimes it feels as though we we ping in certain directions looking for God and hoping something's going to bounce back, and by that we know the reality that we're in. Is this the reality of faith, or is it something that we need to wrestle with and through to understand perhaps we're not experiencing what we are intended to experience in, in Jesus Christ? Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and I wait only for you to open that door that I might come in and have fellowship with you. He writes this to the church. Is it something that we are missing out on really not opening the door to that fellowship? Or is it an unbiblical expectation? Is it something that we in all our desire for community and intimacy want, but isn't something that is a reality? Well, John certainly holds it out as a reality. He holds it out as one of the, if not the most important, unique aspect of the God that we worship. And to not experience Him intimately and personally in Jesus Christ is to miss what is intended for us. Why is it so difficult for us to experience God's presence in that fashion? If you look at verses 9 and 10, John writes that Jesus is the true light and gives light to everyone, but despite being the creator of the world, not everyone knows him. The world did not know him, and even when he comes to his own, his own did not know him. There's a lack of recognition. How could this be? Well, it's because the world prefers the darkness to light. And there is the reality that we prefer the darkness to the light. Is that not true? Is there not part of you that is more comfortable with darkness than with light? As we wrestle with John's teaching that God is both personal and present, we must also wrestle with the fact that we really, in some ways, prefer a God that is impersonal and abstract. A God that is impersonal and abstract is much easier to deal with much easier to perhaps sin and forgive ourselves than one who is very personal. This isn't a very complicated idea. If you think about any relationship, it tends to be characterized in that fashion. Right? If I'm in a relationship with a person and I want to argue for something, by being virtue of being in a relationship, that person can then push back on my interpretation, can say something contrary to me, rather than if I was just arguing, say, with a law or a code that doesn't really argue necessarily back to me in that way. Or if I'm in a relationship simply with a law or an abstract principle or I'm thinking about my ethics, it's easier to break that, to do what I want to do, rather than if you think about it in the context of a relationship. Do you not do this all the time where you you think, oh, I'm going to break this code, I'm going to do something that I shouldn't do, it's not that big a deal, I'll be forgiven, but what if you start thinking about the disappointment of the person who has laid down his life for you? Doesn't that make a put a dramatically different light upon what you're considering doing? What has been revealed in Jesus Christ and the relationship that is offered is a wondrous thing, but we have to realize that there's part of us that pulls back from it because it makes it much harder to sin, to rebel, to do what we want to do. How you relate to God also affects how you relate to other people. Right? Think for a moment. If, if, I, if I think about my relationship with God, and you do this frequently and I do it frequently, we often go down a road where we say, well, what have I been doing? What have I not been doing? Uh, have I checked off the boxes that are necessary for me to give myself a passing grade in my relationship with God? That's how you relate to the God who you believe created you, created all things and gives purpose to your life. Then how are you going to relate to other people? Well, you go home and you're with your spouse, you're with your friend and you think, well, have I done what is basically necessary to check off the box that I've been a good friend or I've been a good spouse, that I've done essentially what is necessary for that to be qualified. You don't think about it in a relational sense, right? If then we